Well, I appreciate what Juliana read. Uh, I think it's really kind of valuable. And the question I want to pose to you is this. Whose advice do you listen to? Whose advice do you listen to? Sometimes you listen to your parents' advice. Sometimes you don't. Even as adults, uh, we sometimes listen to it, sometimes we don't. How do you determine whose opinion matters? How do you do that? Like when you're watching the news, uh, how do you determine whose opinion matters in all of that? I, I, the thing about this is I, we've all received good advice and we've received bad advice. We've received good opinions and bad opinions. And the thing about bad opinions or bad advice is how convincing it feels in the moment. And sometimes the trick we play in ourselves where we convince ourselves that it's good advice because we want it to be true. Has this ever happened to you? Anyone? anyone? Okay, good. Okay, so, and that, that is true. Thank, thanks, Kyle. Great set, by the way. Yeah. And maybe you've heard phrases like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Or maybe you've heard the phrase, uh, it's not your net worth, it's your network. <laughs> yeah, they teach that in fundraising. And the, my point is this, is who you listen to matters. The leadership and opinions you listen to, they shape your life. They determine the trajectory of your life. And over the past few weeks, we've been uh, looking at these statements from Jesus. They're I am statements. And he says, I am, and then fill in the blank. And we're going through different versions and different ones of those things. And we're, the reason we're doing this is because we want to get a clearer picture of God. And if we have a clearer picture of God, we'll have a clearer picture of what to do when things arise in our life and how we should live our lives. And we can begin to experience in a greater way the life that God intends for us. See, God intends this life for you that's more than what you have today. I know that many of you are on the journey of following Jesus. You've heard that before. I'm here to tell you today, Christian, Jesus follower, that there is actually more. You can't exhaust God. He's an infinite God and there's more for you. And whether you're on the younger side or the older side, uh, the, whatever kind of side that you're on in life, there's still more for you. There's more. There's a good life that God wants for you. A healthy life. A life with healthy relationships. Uh, a life in which you intuitively make wise decisions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And what we see is that Jesus offers his voice. There's all these voices, voices of parents, voices of co-workers, voices that we uh, read or hear about. But there's also this other voice, the voice of Jesus. And Jesus, through his voice, offers his leadership in our lives. Um, the, so here's what it is. We're going to look at one today. It's called, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. This is a statement that tells us. Something about the voice of Jesus. Now, as urban dwellers, we may not know much about farms. Uh, some of you might know something about a farm, uh, but not all of us do. And uh, first century farming practices uh, were a big deal in the first century. So this analogy that Jesus is using would make a lot of sense. Now, everyone in Jesus' day, many people had sheep. 
And the reason they kept sheep is for meat and for wool and for other things. And likely, people would walk past a sheep pen every single day of their life. In the first century, these sheep pens were pretty simple. So usually it was made of rocks uh, that would form a pen, okay? And then there would sometimes be thorns and thistles that they would put around the outside of it to keep uh, bad guys and bad wolves and all kinds of things from getting into the sheep pen. And the pens would also keep out things like unwanted predators like wolves. And so if you had a pen, you would need a gate. Now, normally they didn't build gates in the first century. Why? Because those are expensive and, you know, and so on. So the primary entrance was not filled uh, with those thorns, but it was a way to get in. And here's what would happen. The shepherd with these little sheep would enter through the gate. Okay, he would go into the gate and he would begin to call the sheep. And sheep are by pretty Uh, by their nature, they're pretty dumb. But they do have the ability to recognize the shepherd's voice. And this is a skill that is built up over time. So he would go into the pen first, and he would go, sheep, and he would say, come here, or he'd go, bah, whatever they would do, he would invite them into the little pen that was there. And the countless sheep, or whatever amount of sheep they had, they would hear the voice, and they would start making their way, grazing their way into the pen because they were listening to the shepherd's voice. And over time, they became accustomed to the shepherd's voice. This explains why Jesus says this. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they never, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees, these would be the religious people of the day, they did not understand what he was telling them. And you can almost see Jesus in the first century. He's pointing at a nearby pen that might have been in in view. And and the Pharisees just don't understand what he's saying in the moment. And he's saying, listen, listen, the the sheep, my followers, they're going to know it's me. They're going to know it's my voice. And when I'm calling to them, they're, they're going to have spent enough time with me that they're going to know what to do. There's a trust that's there. And if a stranger or a thief or a robber is coming, they're going to avoid those people because they know the difference. And so here we see that Jesus assures us that his followers will be able to recognize his voice. They're not going to be swept away by strangers and thieves and robbers. They're going to be listening, and they're going to be able to recognize it. Let me give you an illustration. I can tell Nikki's voice, my wife, from other voices, okay? Uh, Not only when she's speaking, I can tell her voice, like obviously. Like if Nikki called you on the phone without caller ID, most of you would get it, right? You'd be like, oh, this is Nicole Meekins, right? You would get that, right? But I can tell the tone of her voice, and not when she's when I'm in trouble. Like in life, I can tell the tone. Let me give you an example. So if someone comes to me, maybe my daughter or someone at the church or someone we know, and they say, hey, can we do this or should we do that? Or can we go ahead and we shouldn't do this? And I was talking to Nicole, and she said this, and that means we should do it, right? If, they, if they're leveraging Nicole and her voice 
to get me to do something. This happens with children. This happens in church life. Okay? Do you understand where this is going? And, um, or if, you know, someone comes up to me and says, you know, Nicole said this about so-and-so. Whatever the example is, because I've spent time with her, I'm around her, we know each other in the most intimate ways, I know with a pretty high degree of certainty whether that person is telling me the truth, the whole truth, half truth, or no truth at all. Because when they say it, it hits me on my history and my experience of what I know about Nicole. And it becomes very easy. I go, wow, that, you know, that does sound like her. Let's just move forward with it. Or, you know, that's interesting. I'll have to circle back with her, I'll say. And that's usually my way of saying, you're a liar. <laughs> and, that, and that's the same thing that we see with the voice of Jesus. Jesus is saying that this kind of familiarity is available to you and to me. That as you spend time with him, you learn from him. You learn his ways. You learn his ways of being and how he operates in the world. And he always operates in the world. He is still up to his work today, but he's doing it in a way that's aligned with what we already see in the scriptures. The way of Jesus will never lead you in a way that would contradict what we have in the scriptures. And so over time, you and I can become familiar with his voice, just like from one spouse to another. It's built up over time. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You, just like shepherds and sheep, the sheep can recognize the shepherd's voice. That's the kind of relationship I can have with you. And this would have meant a lot to the people listening. In John 10, 11, he actually comes out and says what he is. He goes, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I mean, this is powerful. I am the good shepherd. Obviously, it is a foretelling of Jesus dying on the cross to pay for the penalty of sin and to restore our relationship with him and to make all things new one day. So there's foreshadowing of that, but there's something else going on here. When he says, I am the good shepherd, he's actually referring back to something that King David wrote about in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the book of Psalms, they're not songs, they're Psalms. It's a word that's meant to be misunderstood. Psalms, Psalm 23. King David talks about a good shepherd and sheep and the way the shepherd relates to us. And Jesus is saying, when King David was talking about that way back then, he was actually talking about me. And it's really powerful. And I want to read it to you now. It's a very short psalm. I'm going to read it to you. And here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to think about your life and what this means for you as you hear it. Apply it to your life as the voice of the good shepherd. Because I think there's something here for us. And I think without me doing too many like applications or illustrations, I think that this word is powerful and it can find your way into your heart. So as I read it, Think about it. God, what are, you, what are you saying to me through this? Where are you trying to draw close to me? And I believe he is. I believe that, like, God was, is, is as real now as he was back then, obviously, because this is what I do. But, like, what I'm saying is, is God wants to speak now. And so just be open. What, what is he saying to you? In Psalm 23, we read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths 
for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's promise to you. He says that you will lack nothing. That he loves you. That he is for you. Whatever you're going through. Whatever you're walking through. However you feel inside. He says for you, he will refresh your soul. For those of you who are anxious today. You are carrying something that is making you anxious. You're afraid. Or perhaps maybe you're angry about someone or something, a situation. The scriptures say that you're not alone in that. That he will lead you. That he will guide you. And he says even when we go through hard times, we're not alone. He's with us in the middle of of the hard times. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is with you in the hard times, but he is. He's with you. He understands what you're going through. And he says, the promise here is that he is going to do good things in you and through you. And even though there might be bad things happening all around you, there might be somebody who's out to get you. But the promise of the Lord is that he's with you in the midst of that. He's with you He's going before you and he's going after you. Do you understand the promise that is available to you? Whether it's work situation, whether it's something with a spouse or a family member, whether, I don't know, maybe it's more existential. Maybe there's just an anxiety growing in your life. There is a God who is a shepherd who has a voice that desires to draw close to you and help you in this moment. And you may be a follower of Jesus for a short time or a long time. This is still true. This is something we draw close to. And so what does this mean for us? How are sheep supposed to respond to this? Well, first, let me just say this. Sheep listen to the shepherd. Sheep listen to the shepherd. Now, there's a lot of competing voices out there. Wouldn't you say? A lot of people are competing for your attention. I feels like every week I talk about how social media is blah, 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 but it's true. Like, we can just all get out our, if we have iPhones, um, I don't know what the green bubble people do, but if we have iPhones, <laughs> if you look at them, you can look at your usage, where it's going and what the apps, what apps you're using the most. And there are millions of messages being given to us about what to like, what to not like, what to wear, what to think, what to be. And beyond that, there's traditional institutional media. Uh, and to be clear, news outlets are businesses. They are for-profit businesses. And they create narratives that are designed to attract viewers. And then they leverage those viewers to create ads. And those ads are there for you to buy the stuff. And on, the, on and on the cycle goes. So... They're not like innocent in this because traditional media outlets, they have to figure out what sells. So what sells? What sells? Divisiveness? 
fear, shock. And these are the voices that influence us. They appeal to some of our most base gut reaction. It, um, and because they do, we're attracted to them, and then they sell us ads. These are these voices. Even our friends and our family can pull us in direction. I know, I know that um, no matter how old you get, there's friends and family who have an opinion on what you should do with your life. And they're clamoring for our time and our energy, our attention. And if we're honest, all these things, the world of social, the world of paid media, the world of family and friends, there is a lot of noise. And it can be difficult to get quiet and to pay attention to the voice of the shepherd, to be able to recognize the voice of the good shepherd. But this is exactly what we must do. We must learn to listen to the voice of Jesus. And I, I say that, but I say that as this is a skill that you can actually develop. Where you are today, you can get better at hearing the voice of Jesus, recognizing it. One of my favorite ways to do that is to do it over time. The more time you spend in the presence of Jesus, the better you will be able to determine his voice in the future. Just like if I never spent any time with Nicole, I wouldn't know what her voice sounded like. It's, and what we get the impression is from our God is that our God is personal and he created us in his image. There's relationships there. So why wouldn't it be the same with God? So one of my favorite ways to do this is with an app. Uh, I just talked about social media, so let me give you an app. Uh, currently, uh, my favorite app for this is Lectio 365. Uh, that is a screenshot from my phone. As you can see, I am always fully charged. Um, and the Lectio 365 app, it provides daily reading. It's a liturgical form of guided prayers, but it's done in a very healthy and uh, brief way. And uh, they even have a little play button, and you can pick like a British voice, and she'll talk to you, and she'll read out what you have. And what you're getting there is it's this regular time with God that's showing you, that's showing you who God is and what he's like. And there's a little devotional in there. So if you don't have anything that you're doing on a regular basis, if you don't have this rhythm established in your life, I would encourage you, develop this rhythm of spending time in God's presence. Whenever we read the scriptures, whenever we read uh, what God has to say to us, whenever we pray to God and whenever we spend time with other followers of Jesus, God says that his presence is with us. So it becomes in our best interest to welcome his presence. If you don't have this rhythm, if you're not regularly in something, I'd encourage you to check this one out. Just begin to say, you know what? I'm so busy. I know it's busy. My life is super important. People don't understand. I get that. But what we're talking about is a change, that this will actually be better if you prioritize this in your life. So if you're not spending time in God's word and prayer, this is a great place to start. I would check it out. Second way you can respond to this is that we follow the shepherd. We don't just listen. We follow. It's not enough to listen. Followers of Jesus, by definition, follow. That's right. They follow Jesus. And for those of you who desire to take Jesus seriously, we have to learn to follow where God is leading us and where Jesus is speaking to us. And the assumption is this. Jesus is the good shepherd. And if he's good, that means he knows where to go. And if he knows where to go, 
then it is in our best interest to go where he goes. Do you understand? It makes it goes it goes along with it. And if you if you and I hear his voice and we start wandering off, things can get pretty prickly pretty quickly. We might fall into a ditch. We might fall off a cliff. And so learning to follow the good shepherd requires a step of faith where we choose to follow him. We respond to what we're reading and what we're understanding. And we're inviting his leadership into our lives. And so for some of us here today, uh, this, in order for you to follow Jesus, it may mean that you need to make a tough decision. Many times a hard decision is, requires not doing what we want to do or what others want us to do, but doing what Jesus invites us to do. So let me ask you a personal question. Do you find yourself wrestling with a decision? You're dragging your feet on it, maybe because it's uncomfortable, you don't want to have the conversation, you might disappoint someone else, or maybe it seems, you may, maybe what you're reading in the scriptures seems so antiquated from what the rest of culture is doing. Well, let me encourage you, follow the voice of the good shepherd. Choose to align with the voice of the good shepherd. It may feel weird and painful, especially if it's around money, power, or sex. Those generally tend to be the big three, where people go, mm, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And if the scriptures are leading you to something that feels contrary to culture or popular opinion, I'm encouraging you to choose the voice of the good shepherd over it. It will help you. You will go to a good place. Let me give you an illustration. I uh, started working at a church at a very young age, um, 24, 25, somewhere in there. Um, and I had the privilege of developing two friend groups in this very large church. There would be about 8,000, 9,000 people there on the weekend. The staff was about 200 people. I was a very low on the totem pole. Um, middle management, they would say. And I, had, uh, I was involved in this thing. It was like a young adult service. So it was like 800 uh, young adults uh, between the ages of 18 to 30. And... There's a staff, and they had our own, we had our own separate service because old people don't understand us. You know how kids are. And, we had, and it was really just basically the same service, but not done as well. Um, but we had candles, and we had a special name. We were called Joshua House because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said, and um, that was our house. And they were like, oh, give the kids the keys, but make sure it's at 6 p.m. so we don't do any damage to the big one. And I worked there. And uh, I liked it. It was pretty good. And uh, Nikki and I were able to give like our 20s to serving uh, kids between the ages of 18 to 22. We built a campus ministry on Ohio State's campus and a bunch of other things. And by God's grace and good design and a great team, we were able to grow that very quickly. And we reached lots of people, lots of people gave their lives to Jesus. And, uh, and the other thing we learned is that kids between the age are so ungrateful. <laughs> They're like, what about me? And, uh, <laughs> and so you had to learn to deal with that. Um, so there, there was this one group, there was a, there, that was who we were serving, but we had this personal group of friends, and these guys were wild, they were a wild group of friends, uh, the kind of wild where you go, hey, Chris seems like he used to be more wild, well, <laughs> that was that group, and there was this other group, they were like the, the cool kids at Joshua House, uh, and they were like really connected, and they had been there longer than us, and oftentimes they would sit in their own special section, 
and they would all only wear black, and uh, they were like really cool for like early 2000s, right? So you, you get the picture. And they were, they were by all, uh, all purposes, they were church popular, if there is such a thing, right? They were church popular. And they had, you remember when scarves, and like they had those. And, uh, and they gave all the appearances of being faithful and religious and really earnest. And they were more connected to the leadership than the other group was, this group of wild folks. And over time, I loved them both, and I, I walked the middle, you know, kind of like Jesus. And, <laughs> and I loved these two groups. Um, you know, I, there was something to learn from them. Uh, I was learning this culture of this church I just started working at, and these other people were just my down and dirty, let's go have some fun kind of people. But time doesn't stay the same. Like, what happens is, is you get older, and you start actually getting out and living and making choices. These two groups grew up. They weren't in their 20s. That's how time works. They got married. They had kids. They built careers. And what I found was this group of friends that were a little bit on the more wild side, what I found is that while all their external appearances indicated that they were wild, they were doing some deep work with the Lord. And they were doing, some, doing it in a way where they were really deeply aligning with following the shepherd and learning to cultivate how to listen to the shepherd. And they were being tra more transparent than they probably should have, which set them back in terms of church, like, cool kid. Like, you, you have to look good in church, right? Um, and you guys look amazing. You have to look good in church if you want to climb, right? If you want to, like, be a part of the thing. And they were really bad at it. Because they're like, this is what's going on. And they were just, we are who we are. But it turns out that that was earnest stuff. And they brought that into the kinds of um, spouses they picked. And they brought that into like the way they just wouldn't take any crap if they felt like it was untrue. They were actually pretty serious about it. They allowed the voice of the shepherd to get in them. And somehow... I don't know when it flipped, but these crazy people, they became the earnest ones. And they listened to uh, the advice that we read here. They applied difficult truths and wisdom to their marriage, keeping their accounts short, how they raised their children. They applied these truths to their finances. And the religious group, over time, I, we cannot figure it out to this day. A bunch of them, not all of them, but a bunch of them went off on the path of self-discovery. Self-actualization, like I am the center of my universe. The path of independence to say, you know, God is there, but I need to figure out how I feel for me. And what we see, this is what Jesus speaks to, this is in direct Competition, the self and my best ideas are in direct competition with the voice of the shepherd. If I walked around and said, I am the good shepherd for me, there's something that doesn't work there. There's so many people today that take their own good advice and it's really bad. They're, they're, in, they're in love with it. 
It's in competition. And so over time, some of this group, all, they had all the appearances of looking right and holding your hands at the right position when you pray. They were picking and choosing. And they were only allowing parts of the good shepherd's voice to fit in with what they already had planned to do. Do you understand? I'm going to do this. And God says this. So, you know, that aligns. They're picking and choosing which parts they allowed God into their life. And guess what? The idiots aren't idiots anymore. They're wise. And by and large, when I look at these two groups, they have healthier friendships, healthier marriages. They have a healthier financial outlook. And those that didn't take seriously to follow the voice of the shepherd, they're more jaded. They're more alone. Way more divorces on this side. These were our like worship leaders. These are the people leading us. Not, not the staff, but these are leaders. Way more jaded. Way more cynical. Way more prone to dive into political movements that really will change next week. Why? Why do people generally join political movements or get more involved in politics? It's generally due to a connection to their own loneliness and isolation. And when there's a lack of community around you in the real life, most statistics show, most studies show that you engage in politics at a higher level. Not everyone. I want everyone to engage as good citizens. But some people between the ages of 18 to 44, that has become true. So they're more willing to engage in divisive battles, more anxious around political upheaval, and you look at their lives, and you go, what happened? And then sometimes I'll go over here with this group, and I'll go, what happened? You know, like you do. What happened to their life? At some point, they stopped following the voice of the Good Shepherd. They appeared like they were following the Good Shepherd. But there's a, that's not real. There's something else going on there. point is this. Choosing to follow the good shepherd is a long-term investment. If you were to change something, if you were to hear me, and you were to say, you know what, I am going to work towards changing that thing, I promise you, you will see no progress tomorrow morning. Or maybe even in a week or a month. But the point is, your stick to your perseverance, your long-term commitment and investment in the truth that we are to follow the Good Shepherd pays dividends over time. I'm telling you, I've seen it in these two groups' lives, and you know this is true too. There's a way that leads to life, and there's a way that leads to unalived, to death. And when you choose it, it results in healthier life over time. Third thing you got to do is this. Live with the shepherd. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been living life on your own. The way you live life with the shepherd is you welcome him in. And maybe there's a time in your life when you were more connected to the good shepherd. And you admit maybe to yourself over months or years, hey, I'm not as close as I once was. To you, I'd say, you don't have to live that way. And it's not too late. Should you choose to live toward the Good Shepherd, he will welcome you. And what we learn from the life of Jesus is he welcomes all who desire to draw 
close to him. It doesn't matter if you've messed up. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you think you need to get cleaned up before you come to God. None of that matters and none of that works. Jesus desires to draw close to those who want to draw close to him. We live with the good shepherd. The good shepherd invites us. And if you do, he will lovingly pull you out of anything you're experiencing. And he will draw you into the good life that God has for you. Amen? Uh, Why don't we all stand?